Hey, Linda, I'm sorry I'm late. It's okay. Never a fucking dull moment with technology, I tell you. I tell you. I tell you what, these computers can't be trusted. Dude, I had my first ever water damage on a laptop. Oh, did you spill your your coffee? No, it was really dumb. I have a new water bottle because I was like, I'm going to save the earth. I'm going to get a reusable water bottle that I like. And I had it in my airplane bag. (laughs) I had it in my bag on the airplane. I know. I had it in my bag on the airplane. And then, like, it's a new water bottle, so I didn't know how it would do under pressure. And it leaked inside my bag onto my laptop. Oh, dear. Because, you know, you put it under the seat, so it's sideways. And it was just sideways right on top of the... So now it's like the screen's all messed up. And it's turning on, but... It doesn't look great. Is this your work computer or personal computer? It's my personal computer. Oh, that's expensive, Linda. I know. That's even worse than if it was the company's because they got right. money. It's a company. They get <laughs> scolded a little bit probably, but what are they going to do? It's an honest mistake. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I've water damaged a couple laptops in my day. It's uh, it's a thing that happens. It's just a rite of passage, maybe. One time, I it was in the middle of recording a podcast, and I knocked a whole... Nalgene or something full of water right on oh my, my keyboard. God. And uh, I immediately, like, you know, kept recording and, like, took the water off and turned the laptop so it was, like, sideways. There's water draining out of it. But I finished the episode. It didn't ever stop what? recording. The laptop wow. continued to function. And then I made what I learned uh, after the fact was a critical error. Here's, here's, here's my thinking process. I was like, all right, uh, there's water in the sort of keyboard area. So I turned the computer off completely. That was not mm-hmm. a mistake. That's something you should do. Uh, and I had it open. And what I did was, is I put like a couple dish towels down on my dining room table, and I laid the laptop keyboard down with like the screen hanging over the edge on these mm-hmm. towels, thinking like, all right, this will just all the water will just kind of drain out of here overnight, yeah, and that'll be a good thing. That seems uh, good. The next day, my computer wouldn't turn on and was totally fucked, and I was like, what? Well, seems weird because it was on, you know. For like 20 yeah. minutes after I spilled water on it, it didn't turn off immediately. Uh, and then I was doing a little reading about it and some talking to some friends. And I think what happened was when I put it upside down, I basically like trapped where all the water would evaporate to. And instead of just like condensated oh. further in the computer, you know, like you take like if you put like a you know a bell jar over top of a wet thing on your counter, like the bell jar is going to get all this condensation on it as the moisture right. evaporates. So I think I just basically uh, fucked it even harder when I was trying to fix it. <laughs> so that's Uh, one of them and then the first laptop i ever had i bought myself a laptop with like money i had from part-time jobs uh for my senior year in high school knowing i would need a laptop to go to college and i really wanted i didn't have access to like uh the adobe creative suite at home uh Mm because our like home computer couldn't run it or something i really wanted a mac we never had a mac before so i like you know spent all my money on like a nice laptop senior year of high school and this lasted me all the way through almost senior year of college and just by nature of the person i am and life at art school this laptop was just comically destroyed by the end of its life (laughs) i still have it sitting somewhere but uh at some point freshman year someone knocked a lamp over and it hit 
square on top of the screen, like vertically, and just Ooh. kind of like bent the like metal at the bottom of the screen. And then years of opening and closing it, those two little bends eventually broke. So then the screen wasn't attached really to the rest of the laptop. Uh, yeah. So I built this custom wooden box that I would carry it around in where basically I could like squish it back together to the right wow. shape. And I would like push it inside this like wooden sleeve <laughs> and then it would like hold itself in there based on the like natural expansion of all the broken and bent metal. It was good. Andy, that's impressive. I used it for years. The screen eventually did fall yeah. completely off. I have a picture I can find on Flickr of just, uh, I came <laughs> I came home one day, I left my laptop open on the dining room table, and when I came back, the laptop screen was just perfectly flat on the table <laughs> behind the <laughs> keyboard. It was bad. God. Anyway. I remember, I remember having to build the case to my parents for a Mac. Because my dad was like, such a PC dude. Mm -hmm. And I was like, no, trust me. Like, this is what the design people do. And they're like, okay. And uh, I got my first computer in college. And, like, my car got broken into because I lived in Atlanta. And that's just a thing that happens, like, a lot in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. um, and my that first laptop got stolen. And I remember just being so devastated. Like, I thought that the world was over because I had, like, all of my work on it and stuff. And I felt so violated. Having stuff but, stolen sucks. It's a terrible feeling. Yeah, but nowadays, like, I was thinking about that experience because that <laughs> it was the only time that my external hard drive was in the same bag as my computer. It was, like, no, the only you time ever. you didn't ever. have redundancy. You gotta, you gotta, you can't ever have, like, a The third. president and the vice president can't ever be in the same room, Linda. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And so I was just totally fucked. And um, I was just thinking about how funny that is to think about today, because like this literally happened on my on the airplane on the way to my office. And I was like, oh, that sucks. And I was like, hey, Diane, do we have another computer laying around? And I was able to like log in, get to my meeting on time. Like, right. With all of your files. <laughs> everything's there. Everything yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, it, it's kind of hard to imagine a time uh, where someone stole your computer and you lost all of your files. But yeah, <clears throat> that is the oh thing that God. happened, kids. It is. <clears throat> that was my life. They were just gone. Yeah. It was like my senior year of college, too. I thought that I was going to have to like drop out of school because my whole portfolio was in there. Ugh. Oh, heartbreaking. That's rough, Linda. Yeah. You survived it. Is that the thing of greatest value that's ever been stolen from you? Um, Emotional or financial say... or, you know, literal <laughs> or figurative value? Yeah, I guess that would have to be it. Um, there was a bunch of other stuff in that bag, too. So, yeah. Yeah, I don't think anything else crazy has gone missing in my life. Yeah. Have you have you had some like diamonds stolen or something? No, nothing as expensive as a laptop. The the biggest thing I had stolen was my bike, um, which was stolen out of my garage at work, which was very frustrating because it's the oh, garage annoying. of our private building, and I was like, things can be stolen out of here. That's that's an option. Didn't realize that was going yeah. to happen. Um, yeah, and good. I was like sad to lose my bike, and it was you know modestly expensive to replace it. But the thing that really got me is I had a of like leather Brooks saddle that I bought for myself in college when oh, I first started yeah. riding bikes around the city. And I had like, you know, eight or nine years of riding into this one saddle and I had ridden like it across. Your crease was like purely embedded into that thing. Right. It had a really nice patina. I had ridden it across Iowa. I had ridden it uh, from the 
you know, from the Delaware Shore, Maryland Shore, back to Baltimore on this, like, one ride I did as a century ride one day. Like, I had a lot of, like, stories on this saddle, and that's, like, I, I think this is less of a thing for me now, but at a certain point in my life, those kinds of, like, heirloom-quality objects were, like, very meaningful to me. It was very important to me. Uh, and so to, like, lose this saddle was by far the most devastating part of having my bike stolen. Aww. And, yeah, you never get that back. It's just gone now. Heartache. I had a tire stolen off of my bike, but the whole bike was not stolen. Uh, just a tire, not a wheel? Well, the wheel. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> I'd be yeah. really impressed no, if someone came around with just some tire levers, popped a wheel. tire off, and, uh, you know, strolled off. That'd be yeah, good. I mean, yeah. But whatever. What are you going to do? Yeah. yeah, I don't know. In a way, I feel like having that saddle stolen, like, it, in one way, it was, like, very, like, I get a lot of, I feel very satisfied and also, like, content to feel like I've gotten a thing that will be the, the only version of that thing I need for the rest of my life, right? When I bought that saddle, I was like, these saddles last forever. I'll take care of it. This will be my bike saddle. Right. Uh, and so, to have that go missing, it was, like, it was both devastating, but also, like, and part of why it was devastating is because you realize that, like, oh, yeah, it, stuff is still just stuff. And even if you, you know, spend a lot of time finding the thing you really like and you are very careful to, to care for it properly and to, you know, treat it with respect and dignity and all these things, someone can still just steal it, you know? <laughs> it right. doesn't matter. It doesn't stop him from doing that. So in some totally. ways it was very, like, kind of ground-shaking to be like, oh, yeah, all, the, all these things you value, like, it's just, it's just shit. And it can just go yep. away whenever you want. But it was also kind of freeing. I was also like, well, you know what? I guess uh, all that, that thing I valued for so many years is kind of stupid. And in some ways, yeah. I was able to, like, get over that part of myself a little bit. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I have some little things like that. Like, um, when I got married, somebody bought us these, like, really fancy crystal wine glasses. Oof. And that, like, that, to me, is a curse, not a blessing. Yeah. And But to me, like, I love drinking out of it because it felt special. Right. And it was like, oh, this is my fancy grown-up, like, big girl thing that I would never spend the money on because they're, like, $100 per glass or something. Right, which is a perfect wedding gift, frankly. <laughs> right. And so, yeah, after I got divorced, um, I... Did you have a ceremonial moved... shattering of them, lemonade style? Fuck no. <laughs> Fuck no. Because me and my ex-husband are, like, on good terms. Yeah, we're good um, so anyway, so I brought these, like, I kept a few things from our, like, shared life together, like some of our dishes, and I kept those, those wine glasses, and it kind of felt like I was holding on to this, like, grown-up adult life that I had, even though, like, I moved to Brooklyn with, like, three roommates, and, mm -hmm. uh, you were like, and, God damn it, I'm still drinking champagne out of a fancy glass. Yeah, and so, but I had hidden the wine glass, like, under a cabinet somewhere so that it wasn't, like, this part of the main drinking stuff. Mm -hmm. And then one day, like, I heard a huge shatter, and I was like, what was that? And my roommate was like, oh, sorry, it was one of your wine glasses. And I was like, which one? Oof. <laughs> and it was one of the fancy ones, and I just, like, I got so upset, and but it wasn't because, like, it was, like, a symbolic thing. Right, it's you all know? symbolism, dude. She was like, I can buy you another one. And I was like, well, those were like a hundred bucks. She was like, oh. She was like, I'll buy you a bottle of wine. <laughs> I cannot buy you another one. <laughs> uh, I just felt, yeah. And then I felt bad for, for like being so upset about it. That's the, that's the other thing. When like these dumb objects that really have like no real value uh, go away and we're like so hurt by them. Like I valued that like over, 
I don't know, my friendship with this person at the time or something. I don't know. I feel felt... like uh, something I've come to realize in my uh, my my old age, my relative old age, is that like feelings are cool. Like all about having feelings. Everyone should have their feelings, talk about their feelings, be in their feelings, like in support of that. The thing I'm skeptical of, especially about myself, is like the feelings about feelings, right? Like <laughs> you feel sad that your wine glass was broken for a lot of reasons. That's great. Then the thing that's really toxic is feeling bad about feeling sad about your wine glass being broken either <laughs> because it's just a dumb thing and you shouldn't care about it or because you don't want your roommate to pick up on how you're feeling because then they'll feel guilty more unnecessarily like right that kind of like meta level of like feelings that's that's the dangerous shit right there that stuff will mess you up yeah yeah it's true but i don't know i think it's okay to be like self-aware and reflect on like oh i'm reacting to a thing in a oh, way yeah. that maybe I could have had better control over in the moment. The awareness yeah. is always good. Yeah. How was your week, Linda? Anything new other than you broke a computer? Well, I went to Boston, broke the computer on the way there, had a fun time, went back. Then uh, Mark got his wisdom teeth out, so I got to go and like pick him up at the dentist and... That's a nice bonding moment. Yeah, it it was great. It was like, you ever want to see somebody in their eight-year-old self uh, pick them up after wisdom teeth surgery? Yeah, get them all ganked out on goofers and then uh, pick them up. It was pretty pretty wonderful. Um, And the best part was that, like, at the end, they had us sit in the waiting room for a little while while he just, like, recentered before we got up and got in a car. Right. And... This 11-year-old girl comes into the waiting room with her mom, and the girl's just, like, crying, and she's really worried because she has to get a few teeth pulled. And so I was like, oh, he just did it, and look, he's fine. And he was sitting there just, like, laughing like an idiot, (laughs) just like, and uh, And so she was like, did it hurt? And, like, she started asking him all these questions, and he was just being really sweet and responding. And he started to tell this, like, longer story. And I looked over and realized that, like... At some point during the story, his mouth started bleeding like a I lot. I knew this was going there. I knew. Was, <laughs> I knew for sure the girls were like, "Did it hurt?" And he was gonna smile, and just blood was gonna pour out of his yeah, mouth. Yeah, and it was just like so much blood that it made me a little like nauseated to see. Like it was like his teeth were just coated, like his front teeth were like bright red. That's and pretty awesome. Like, not gonna lie. <laughs> yeah, it's not a good look. Um, and so I was just like, hey, maybe you should quit talking for a second. And he was just like, then he was like, oh, no, what did I say? Did hey, I say something hey, stupid? Hey, babe, shut up. Hey, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. <laughs> yeah, so he was, like, worried that he was saying something dumb because of the medicine. Right. And I was like, no, 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 it's not that. I was like, I'll tell you later. <laughs> I don't think she saw the blood. She didn't stuff. notice? No, because she was, yeah. like, across the waiting room, and, like, she was looking at her mom and her stuffed animal, and she was, like, preoccupied a little bit, so... That would Thank be God true nightmare fuel if she had no strange man that's seven feet tall with long hair with a Smiling through the blood in his mouth. Saying yeah. everything's going to be okay, little girl. Don't worry. Don't you worry. <laughs> so that was fun. Yeah. And then yesterday was the last day of summer. I, I hear it. That's what I heard. I heard this is the first day of fall. We're having an unseasonably yeah. warm spell in Baltimore. Is that is that true for you up there too? It is true. It is warm right now. Gross as hell. It doesn't feel like fall. 
Yeah. Fucking September. Apparently September's 90 degrees now. Apparently that's what we're doing. Yeah, wow, weather. <laughs> <laughs> Did he do anything yesterday to celebrate the last day of summer? Uh, not, not specifically to celebrate the last day of summer. One of our... Uh, so I, th- I think I've mentioned in passing briefly on this show uh, some of our neighbor friends and then the one couple that actually moved out to California after our friendship bloomed and how sad I was to lose them. Uh, anyway, uh, one of them was back in town for a day just to kind of see everybody. So we uh, we did some nice a nice family meal with uh, with our neighbor who was back after almost exactly a year to the day since she left to move to California. Oh. That was nice. It was very nice to catch up and see her and... Uh, I made some pizzas on the grill, so... I was going to ask. That was my next question. What did, you, style. what did you make to commemorate? Some homemade pizza. pizza. Some pizza. And then also, I make these buckwheat crepes, which are uh, pretty darn good if I do say so myself. These savory buckwheat crepes. Make so I'm noticing that you like to dabble a lot in baking. A little bit. Like, I, look uh, at me, you got a lot of dough action. I won't let myself really get into baking sweet things because if it was a thing that became intuitive to me that I could just kind of do I would do it all the time and I would eat all the food immediately and I'd be a fat and healthy fuck so I can't I can't like bake cookies on a Tuesday night or like you know practice my pie making on the weekend because I would just eat right. it all, all the time I have no self control so I mostly no, bake bread which I have also very little self control over but you know it's I think orders of magnitude less bad for you than when you put six cups of sugar in everything. So, uh, That's true. So yeah, I, I dabble in baking. I would not say I am a, a good or avid baker. I do it, you know, rarely. Yeah. I mean, those hamburger buns that you made, I now have new respect for because in the latest episode of the Great British Baking Show, they had to make hamburger buns as a technical challenge. Mm, how did they go? Well, some of them were a bit stodgy. A little, uh, and, little tough. They didn't let them proof enough. Yeah, and like they or they were under baked, so all of the like dough was kind of more dense at the bottom, mm. and it didn't totally rise. It wasn't an even. And then Paul Hollywood stuck his big grubby fingers in there and said, "Yep, yeah. I'm done." He loves to stick his sausages in everything. He loves like, shaving his little finger sausages and stuff. That's just like number yeah. one move. He just rips it apart and he starts poking it. He's like, rap, 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 rap. Don't like it. Yeah, my buns are okay. I remember watching an episode, an old episode of the Great British Bake Off, where uh, they made soft pretzels, and that's something that I do bake pretty regularly uh, and like have kind of memorized. I could just go make soft pretzels now if I wanted to, which is which is fun. And yeah. I remember very distinctly on this episode, none of them had ever heard of or seen a soft pretzel. They were like. Soft pretzels? I think it's a German what? thing. I don't know. Like, it was what? completely foreign to them. I guess soft pretzels aren't a thing in uh, in the UK. Because they were all just like, I've never had one of these before. I guess it's like a pretzel, but soft. And I'm like, what the fuck are you people doing? Yeah. That's anyway, that's the only time I've ever watched that show where I was like, I could have crushed all of y'all in this, in this, big, <laughs> this uh, technical challenge. Totally. I, I would get, you would have gotten wrecked. <laughs> I remembered something that I saw today that I need to bring up. All right. The floor is uh, yours. To redeem my own butt getting catcalled, today I saw a man ride by on a bike and catcall a puppy dog. <laughs> so there's like a puppy dog, like a big white fluffy puppy dog walking by in front of me on the street. This guy who's like passing on a bike, he's just like, that's a nice fluffy dog. 
<laughs> he didn't go, uh, nice butt, puppy dog. No, I but like he your was just like. Dog. But he looked like he had never seen a dog before. He looked so pleased and just like yelled at it. Mm. <laughs> it was great. The puppy looked at him like, yeah, that's right. That is not so different from what I do. My number one move when I'm biking around the city and pass a dog is I won't scream. I won't yell either because I feel like it's alarming to people on the sidewalk. But right as I'm within earshot of the dog and its owner, I will say just loudly enough they can hear me, I love you, doggy. I <laughs> just say, I love you, doggy, <laughs> to all of them. Yeah. I'm always telling them I love them. That way they know they're loved, you know? Yeah. I and I do love them, Linda. It. I love them all. You love them deeply. Yeah. You love them. This does not redeem the man uh, cat calling your butt, though. Not even close. No, but it did, like, restore some balance to the universe, is what I found. <laughs> For every woman that's harassed, a dog must be complimented. <laughs> A dog must be equally harassed. <laughs> a dog must be equally harassed. Yeah, that dog went home and was just like, I'm not a piece of meat. I'm not an object. I'm not a piece of meat. I'm a good boy. It's supposed to be a compliment, but instead it makes me feel unsafe in my body. Exactly. <sighs> Such a good Take boy. my agency. Such did you go protest for Climate Week? Or Climate Day? <sighs> I did not protest for Climate Day. This is a thing that, um, you know, I, if I was in college, I definitely would have been out there. I participated in many protests while I was in college. And yeah. uh, I, I fully support anybody that protested or, you know, I know there was also like a couple of days of proposed work stoppages, like uh, kind of a poorly organized general union strike on people working on these days. Uh, and I always feel like these are the times where I feel most acutely that I am uh, both a member of a system, like a, just a, a person with a job in like a citizen. But I'm also kind of like, uh, you know, the the system itself. I am the man. I am the problem. Because right. I own my own company. So I can't, I'm not going to stop working. <laughs> like, right. It, it, it could still work, right? It could pass on the, the like, power of the protest and tell all of our clients, like, guess what? We're not doing any work for you on these days because of environment stuff. Uh, right. But our clients would just be like, uh, not, not okay with that, certainly. Yeah, uh, you wouldn't also, want to be too public about how everyone's taking the day off. If your clients saw that, they'd be like, um, hello? Well, I mean, I think it would only have power if they did, right? Like, that's the whole point. The whole reason it has power for people that work at a company is because their bosses and managers know they didn't come in. And if this happens in mass, then, you know, theoretically, this pressure trickles up, right, to the people that are in right. power. Uh, so, like, it would only work if we, in fact, told our clients, like, not responding to emails, not going to be here, your website's not getting worked on this day. Uh, but, you know, just the nature of our clients, it's like they're all just... They're all small companies that are just trying to get by. It's like we would just be fucking them over for, like, no reason. Yeah, it, it, especially just, if they're, like, small businesses. Right, and pretty much all of our clients are, uh, with a few exceptions. It just it doesn't feel like, uh, does not feel like the spirit of the protest would be would be captured in, in our actions in doing so. Right. So, I yeah, that's something I think about a lot, uh, is that uh, as the kind of person controlling my own fate, I don't get to participate in a lot of what would otherwise be like radical and uh, like counter, you know, protests or actions because it doesn't fit for me, <laughs> which just makes me feel yeah. like a total stooge, you know? This is one of the things that I've really grown to like about working for a remote company. And it was like one of the side effects I didn't even really consider when starting. Um, is that like, I realized that each of us are embedded like deeply in our own communities. Like a lot of us work from locally owned start or not startups but uh co-working spaces mm -hmm. and like the company itself is now certified b corp and we've started to do what we can for like 
every printed thing that we make, we try to make an equal donation to a environmental cause or whatever. Yeah. But yeah. And um, you're like, Oh wow. Yeah. Having a physical office really does increase your blueprint or blueprint, your footprint. (laughs) You need a blueprint to increase your footprint. (laughs) What if there is a carbon blueprint? It's just like, here's how we're going to really fuck up the planet. Here's how carbon is made. (laughs) We're going to plan this shit. Yeah. 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 I, I actually work remotely today because our water main was shut off at the office for mysterious reasons that we will never Ooh. know. Uh, Weird. But, uh, but yeah, I, uh, I I do enjoy working remotely. It's, it's I feel like it's a little dangerous though for me. Like it's really well, it's just it's so easy to have that line between like life and work become blurry. Mm. Which I, mm. I I personally really benefit from. Like I never. I mean, I can't think of the of time I worked at home in the past, like, three or four years. Like, I just never do it. Like, if I, I come home, and I'm at home. And that's when I cook. And if I'm on the internet, I'm fucking around with stuff I actually care about and, like, like. Uh, it's, like, personal time. Like, I don't I do not work at home. Uh, and even just yeah. today, you know, I was working on something, and I was like, ah, I'll take a little break. I'll go take a dog for a walk and make a little lunch. And then I was like, ah, I took a little break in the middle of the day. Maybe I'll just get a little more work done after I podcast with Linda. It's like all of a sudden I feel, I feel the blur, <laughs> the blur of Ooh, like even yeah. anywhere kind of happening to me. So yeah, yeah. I, I, I go through. I have mixed feelings about it. I mean, I you as someone who has worked remotely, uh, is this, this is not the first company you work remotely for either. You've done it a couple different times, right? No, this is the first one. Oh, it is the first one. Um, yeah. Either way, you having worked remotely, your experience is obviously far more uh, relevant here. But uh, I oftentimes feel like the promise of working remotely is kind of like the promise of as many vacation days as you want, you know, uh, which <laughs> on, on paper sounds great. But then as soon as you talk to anybody that works at a company that has an like, unlimited vacation policy, you realize that nobody takes vacation because when there's not an expectation of how much time you're going to take off, then everyone feels guilty taking any time off because it wasn't time was explicitly promised to them. And so it becomes this weird kind of yeah. culture of what you're doing. I feel like I think that's like bad management. There are some companies that have like minimums uh, set that you have to take a minimum of a certain number of days off to make sure that that doesn't happen. And I also understand your worry of like uh, people working all all day long, but I think that that's one of those things that has to start from the top down at a company. Like at our company, they're very clear about like set your work hours, like protect your time, protect your space, like this is on you. Like you do have to be the responsible person who sets those boundaries for yourself. Right. That's what I don't have. Like, I'm not even saying like (laughs) institutional pressure would make me work more. I'm just saying the like lack of a clear delineation. I mean, honestly, if I worked at home, I would like either do a co-working space or I would like set up a space in the house. Like this is workspace. And when I went into workspace, I would like have that same barrier. But I don't work from home very often, so I don't have that barrier. So I'm just sitting on my couch, totally. with a YouTube video on the TV, and I'm, you know, poking away at some code. And then I'm like, ah, oh, I'll just uh, stop for a bit. <laughs> and then, yeah, uh, now I feel the pull to work more. I don't know. It's a thing. Well, the way the way that I work from home now versus like when before I had worked at a remote company and I was just like take a day to work from home here and there. It's like a vastly different process, and I feel like it took like two or three months of doing it every day before acclimated. I felt like yeah. But I think that it's just something that you kind of like get better at and you just kind of note how different days felt when you worked from home or from the co-working space or when you mm-hmm. exercise before or after. And yeah, but I bookend my day with like leaving the house for something. So like 
at the beginning of the day, I'll go out and get coffee, and then I come back, and I have a desk, like, in my living room, so, like, this is the place that I work, mm-hmm. and that's it, and, uh, when the day is over, I leave, I talk to you on the phone, I go to spin class, and that's it. Honor to and good like, bookends, Linda. Honor you to are one of my bookends. Um... Now, if you are working from home and you're not going to a co-working space, do you put proper clothes on? Uh, define proper. Uh, however you choose to define it. I mean, <laughs> like, are you sitting there with, like, uh, you know, a nice shirt on for your video call but no pants? Or, you know, do you actually put the same clothes on you put on if you were going to go into to a co-working space or an office or somewhere in between? Um, well, it's been summertime here, so I have been wearing, like some form of workout pants like every single day because mm-hmm. because li- life is truly a workout when you think about it it really is it's also a highway staying alive life is a highway and a workout <laughs> yeah um but yeah I, I wear like leggings that just kind of look like are those like going out leggings or are they workout leggings no one can tell no one can know so it doesn't have like, and a I big, wear, like, like a... A speed vent on the side or like some swooshy logo, but <laughs> right. it is actually this technical athlete. Yeah. yeah, and then I have uh, most days just like a, a t-shirt, like a black t-shirt on. Gotcha. I do have some nicer things that I'll wear from time to time. But for me, it's all about like the hair and the face. Like that has to be, like I have to wake up, like wash my face put on some lotion, maybe some mascara if I'm really feeling dainty. Mm-hmm. And just make sure my hair doesn't look like I just got out of bed. Yeah. I think that's the main thing. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. Yeah, but why would why would you fuck with, like, buttons oh, on yeah. a shirt? Yeah, I just, I, I, <laughs> I barely put clothes on today. I was like, I'm home. I'm putting on clothes on that are, like, the bare minimum socially acceptable <laughs> clothes to walk the dog in, and then that's it. That's all you, it's all you get today, body. Yeah. Definitely yeah. not buttons or zippers. Get that out of here. <laughs> I think everyone's pretty much the same way, though. Yeah. You want me to spin class? Is that where you're heading tonight? I am. Nice. Yeah. Very nice. We have no sponsor. Uh, if you want to sponsor Earth Linda, you can send me $4 through Venmo or Cash App or PayPal or, um, I don't know, uh, make a paper airplane. Put it, put it, Put some money in a bottle. Put it in the sea. If it ever gets to me, yeah. we'll count it. And uh, we'll do an episode in your honor, as long as you are not a company. People only. Only humans. What did you say? Only humans. Yes, only humans, please. Um, have you seen these Van Moof bikes? Van Moof? Van Moof. No, I've never even heard of this thing. Should I, should I Google it or should, should yeah. we Google it? Since you like bicycles, you should Google it. I'm just looking at their uh, their flagship store right now, or one of their little pop-ups or whatever. They're just very, like, fancy electric bikes that have, like, a thin frame. And it seems like... I'd be interesting to, interested to get your take on the electric wow. bike. I spelled it in a way that I thought for sure was wrong, but Google would correct me, but it turns out it's actually how it's spelled, just V-A-M-O-O-F. Yeah, but move. Did not expect that to be right. Let's see here. I got two bikes... Yeah, I don't know. The electric bike thing, I can't get into. Like, yeah, I I, I, I support What's them your... in theory because I know for a fact that lots of people who would otherwise not ride a bike 
ride an electric bike and then want to ride a bike because of how magical it feels and how much less work it is. And so right. I'm all for that. Anything gets people on bikes, I am all for. But probably like two-thirds of the reason that I ride a bike every day is to get exercise and punish myself. <laughs> so yes. uh, I, I don't think I could bring myself to do the electric bike thing. It's like also I really I have a like natural repulsion to anything that has like more complexity than necessary like i see an electric bike and i'm just like that's just like 12 more things to possibly break on my bike which is yeah not, exactly. not where i want my bike the thing i rely on every single day to be i don't want it to like break or have some short circuit or run out of batteries or whatever right so yeah i don't yeah, know for, how do you feel about electric for, bikes linda well for a little while hello good boy uh for a little while there uh city bike had an electric bike and it was just like an option that they were like coming this summer, you'll be able to get them all the time. Mm -hmm. And so they had a few out that you could try and I tried it and yeah, it was just like, Oh, this isn't like riding a bike. This is like sitting. Yeah. This feels weird and lazy. The technology uh, is very good. And, uh, yeah, yeah from all accounts I've heard of riding electric bikes is that it feels magical. And I can say from experience that there's a, there's an older couple probably in their like late fifties, early sixties that, uh, sometimes is biking on the sort of bike trail while I'm commuting to work and they have matching electric bikes and they are not in shape and they fly past me. <laughs> yeah. They're not even trying and they're just like, hello, good morning. <laughs> well, they like, leave yeah. And the like the, the magical thing about it is that it doesn't feel like you're sitting on a scooter or a Vespa or something. It feels like you're riding a bike, but someone is just giving you a really heavy push. Yes. You just have, like it uh, feels like someone's hand is on your feet, just like pushing it. Yeah, it must so feel weird. pretty cool. I, I get it. So, like, yeah, I'm all for it. People should keep making electric bikes and stuff. But uh, I, I, Not the, only, for me. the only situation I can imagine me getting one was either if I had some, like, uh, dramatic change in my physical uh, abilities, you know, if I was injured or something like that. Uh, right. I would consider it. I would certainly consider it over the alternative being not being able to ride to work. Uh, or if I ever got, like, a serious cargo bike uh i'm definitely open to the idea Ooh. of serious cargo bikes having electronics to make them easier to pedal uh to yeah like replace a car for things you could otherwise only do in a car but other than that yeah. i like uh you know i like pedaling pedaling's fun yeah gotta punish myself a little bit Same. all right thank you i just felt like you might have an opinion and i wanted to hear it thank you for <laughs> wanting to hear my opinions on things linda i don't ever nobody ever says that to me so <laughs> so I appreciate well, it. Well, in therapy today, my therapist was like, Linda, you need to find out what your opinions are more often and express them. Ooh. So I'm practicing, and it's helpful to hear others. Ooh, interesting. I like this. I want yeah. to unpack it more. And also, this is a great thing to do on our podcast, just to explore Linda's opinions about stuff. Totally. All right. We'll do that next week. All right. Got some homework. Linda, enjoy your spin class. I'll talk to you next week. Thank you. Bye, Andy. Bye.